Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest weekly podcast. I'm pleased to say the gang's all here. Jeremy Cross is with me from Daystar. Andy Dunn, my colleague from the Daily Mirror. Matt Dunn from the Daily Express. Um, Morning, guys. There's lots to discuss, isn't there? We've really got to, you know, I mean, what a fantastic week of European football we've had so far. And um, obviously, British interest still to come in in the various European competitions tonight. Um, It's fantastic week of football really it's a brilliant advert I have to say I think for um, European football and Champions League football um, talk about perhaps a, a, a re-jig of the competition it doesn't feel like it needs it after this week that's for sure um, but really what do we make of it are we heading to an all English affair it feels like it in Paris next month Arsenal back in control of the race for top four Everton bang in trouble we'll have a little look also at the fan-led review latest after um, the government backing for Tracy Crouch's um, recent report. Guys, I mean, you know, the um, uh, uh, Jeremy, let's let's start, shall we? Uh, I mean, do, do you feel as if Liverpool now have got one foot in the final and maybe, you know, Man City probably got, what, a big toe in there as well? But I don't, I don't know whether they can be quite so assured, but it's been a fabulous couple of games, isn't it? Yeah, it has been a great week. I mean, look, last night's game at Anfield wasn't <laughs> remotely close to being as entertaining <laughs> as the one we all saw 24 hours previous. I mean, that was an astonishing game at the Etihad. You know, it's one you'll live long in the memory, really, just for all the... the there's just the great players involved in it, you know. Um, it's too many to mention, but... I mean, I don't know. I think that's on the toss of a coin. I still fancy City to, to edge it, really, but, you know, Real Madrid have proved... <laughs> this season in the Champions League, that they just never know when they're beaten, you know. Um, look what they did against Chelsea in the final 10 minutes of the quarterfinal in Spain. Um, you just can't write them off. And obviously in Benzema, they've got a player who really is the best number nine in the world right now. Um, he's 34 years old. He's got 41 goals in 41 games. So, you know, if he stays fit, um, they've got half a chance. And City's defending, actually, for all the attacking play on offer. Um, on Tuesday night, the defending from both sides actually was really poor, and it contributed to a magnificent game. Obviously, um, so we must appreciate that, really. But um, so, yeah, look, Liverpool. Yeah, I, I'd be staggered if they don't see it through next week. You know, they did what they had to do last night. It was a very stubborn team. They're up against, um, you know, they've been criticised Villarreal and Emery for their tactics, but you know, you've got to you've got to play to your strengths, and that's their strength, really. Um, but, you know, the problem Villarreal have got is when they do go behind, they don't seem to have a plan B. So it'll be interesting to see how they approach next week's game because they've obviously got a lot of ground to make up. Mm-hmm. And you fancy Liverpool to score again because they've got so much attacking threat. So, um, 
you know, I think Liverpool will ease through next week, but, you know, it's a toss of a coin for the other one, you know, really. I mean, I'm looking forward to going to that one. It's going to be another amazing night, but I wouldn't want to pick a winner, but I'd say City obviously hold this slight advantage, but it is a slight one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Andy, do you think, I mean, obviously Liverpool, surely clear favourites now um, to, to, to reach the final, but and what did you make of their performance last night? And, and, and you know, does that kind of, I don't know, does it in some way make them favourites, if you like, for the final, just because it feels as if they're so, I don't know, in control of their destiny at the moment? 100%, John. I'll tell you what I mean, their performance, it was the performance of champions, of, of champions in the making. You know, they broke down an extremely well-organised Villarreal side. Um, eventually, okay, albeit, albeit with a little bit of fortune for the actual breakthrough, but then looked like they might go on and score more. They were patient, um, disciplined at the back. Um, what Jeremy says is right, you know, Villarreal didn't offer anything at all, you know, one shot off targets, but when they did have a semblance of a threat to break, Liverpool were, were, were on top of that. It's just a team that, you know, just absolutely knows what it's doing at the moment. And, and you get the feeling, being at both games, you look at it now, and as good as it was on Tuesday night, um, and it's strange because you didn't want to write this on Tuesday night because it would have been just like, you know, well, it would have been laughed out really, but because you would ignore it and what a great game it was. But actually, it did strike me driving home from the Etihad on Tuesday night that a very interesting spectator would have been Klopp. Very interesting spectators would have been um, Liverpool fans because they'd be thinking, you know what, if City and Real Madrid, whoever gets through, plays in that fashion against us in the final, then we'll pick them off, you know, and they will pick them off. Um, now, now, granted, City had, you know, um, defensive issues in terms of personnel. John Stones played right back, clearly wasn't fit, went off. And then Finandino, who's, you know, 58 or something, came on as right back. And they had Zinchenko, who actually had a good game. But again, I still don't think he's a comfortable left back. And in an ideal world, Pep would obviously start with Walker right back and cello left back. And, you know, um, Diaz and the pause or, or Stones if fit, etc. So there the, the were complications. And you have to also say that, you know, which maybe didn't come across, you know, we're giving Benzema plenty of credit. That's fine. I mean, obviously, about five months ago, you know, we've all been saying Harry Kane's the best number nine in the world. But we finally realised there's a world out there. There's another league out there. And um, Benzema is outstanding. But they've also got incredible, you know, you know, they've got great attacking talent, you know, going forward from midfield from, with, with Modric and, of course, Vinicius Junior has come on leaps and bounds. You know, so they're always bound to test any defence, you know. I mean, by some of the reaction, you think the City have been playing Watford and, and, and they turn them over. You're playing world-class players, but defensively at both ends. And bear in mind, we, we say how many chances City missed. Well, yes, they missed opportunities, half chances and chances. But, you know, also, Real Madrid weren't great defensively. You know, the Jesus goal should have been presented, uh, should have been prevented without a doubt. Mares was given far too much space to get his cross in for De Bruyne's opener. They obviously all sort of stood still when Bernardo Silva got the fourth. Um, and, in, and in between that, Foden said, well, that was quite, you know, a well-worked goal. But again, they were robbed um, by Fernandino at in, in, in the outset of that move. So Liverpool would be looking at that and thinking, you know what, well, if it's, if, if these people can take advantage, then Salah, Diaz, Mane with Jota um, and Firmino as backup will definitely be able to take advantage. So in answer to your question, I thought Liverpool just did it absolutely perfectly last night. You know, you couldn't have asked for more. On top of which, on top of which, they 
you know, <laughs> remarkable as it seems, they're almost managing themselves through a Champions League semi-final with an eye on the league and the FA Cup. It was almost as if in the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes, they were able to, you know, conserve energy for a, for a tough trip to Newcastle on Saturday, you know, Saturday lunchtime. No injuries again last night. Everyone fit. And actually, you know, being able to play conservatively in terms of physical output in the Champions League semi-final, it's remarkable. That's why, that's why the quadruple remains very much alive. That's why last night's was the performance of, I would suggest, um, the, the European champions at, at the end of May. Mm, yeah, it is a fascinating, fascinating breakdown of things. Matt, Matt I mean, we, 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 we both covered a bit of Emery at... Um... At Arsenal, didn't we? And probably, you know, he's sort of certainly had ups and downs. You're totally wrong to say that basically only only sort of kind of didn't work at Arsenal because I think PSG might sort of kind of say something as well. But it's just, it, well, you know, Villarreal, I was disappointed in them. But I mean, you can't, you can't knock them too much, can you really? Because I mean, this is the most unlikely of European runs, bearing in mind they were beaten by home and away by Manchester United this season. It's, but, it, you know, Europa League yeah. champions of last season. He's, co- he's cobbled together a, a bunch of North London rejects <laughs> in a team that, you know, and are now just one step away from, from a European final. I mean, yeah, Champions League final. It's remarkable what he's done. It, it's systematic. He can get away with it because the expectations aren't high, mm-hmm. which they were at Arsenal. Um, I think he would have put together a functional Arsenal team, given a bit more time, and would possibly have knocked on the door of Champions League football but whether the Emirates would have would have lived with that is another matter. Um, but yeah, when you've got players like Coquelin, Aurier, Capoue in there, in that team sheet, on that team sheet, you think, yeah, I remember these being fairly ordinary Premier League players. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and like you say, they're going toe-to-toe with Liverpool for nearly an hour uh, and keeping them at bay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's remarkably... Functional is unfortunately the word I come back to. It's it's not what Arsenal wanted, but you know, and not nor what PSG wanted. But, yeah. but for Villarreal, no, what, they what was his style of play? Because that's the thing. Yeah, wasn't does but, he? I mean, it's, no. It's, well, that's the point, isn't it? It almost feels like he's kind of you know lacking an identity. Is the thing that it's the thing that almost falls the opposition. Because I yeah. I've watched Villarreal and sort of his various teams this season. I can't it's, it's, a, it's it. a counter-attacking <laughs> setup without the counter-attack. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he just swallows up and uh, just chances to fortune, I think, as to what they can do at the other end, which mm. is is why it's so remiss. There isn't. I mean, if if they had quick players that that could really hit you on the break, then you'd understand how that was working. But no, I mean, and that was the problem at Arsenal again. There wasn't enough going forward. That said, his actual goals per game record wasn't that bad because he had mm. some decent players to work with. And, uh, you know, and obviously Andy's favourite to leave on the sidelines um, in Meza Ozil. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, there isn't any start. I mean, it's just, it is functional. It's exactly what it is. It, they won't let many goals in. Mm. And there's enough gaps and there's enough players with enough know-how to get the ball towards the goal. And then he just hopes to, to fortune that it goes in the back of the net. I don't think it's anything more genius than that mm, yeah absolutely Crossy, Villarreal have a lower wage bill than Burnley <sighs> Gosh. and they've got to a European semi-final that so whether you I mean look I don't know they they reminded me last night of a watered down version of Atletico Madrid in terms of their approach yeah uh, nowhere near the uh, school that Atletico yes. produced but 
you know, if they go out to Liverpool, Emery will say, well, it's job done. We've got to a semi-final. The punch is yeah. the way. They're not great to watch. But it's still an astonishing achievement to get to the last four of the Champions League. Yeah, one, one fourth was playing the um, the kind of the, yeah the bad boy, wasn't he, towards the end, yeah. which is the most uh, most unlikely. Oh yeah, I forgot an old London reject. You know, yeah, another yeah, one. yeah, another one, another 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 one who wasn't quite wasn't quick enough to be fullback at Tottenham. Wasn't no. quite tall enough to be a centre half at Tottenham, and yet seems to have found his found his home at Villarreal, reaching the Champions League semi final. He's absolutely bonkers, really. But fair play to him; he's done an amazing, absolutely amazing job. But um, but there is talk, isn't there? I, I I see on 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 social media this morning about you know Klopp obviously still got the quadruple in his sights um, about potentially a new contract. Um, this morning around on sort of kind of social media. I don't know whether you guys have seen that. I mean, you know, obviously Liverpool would, would bite his hand off, I'm sure, to keep him. Is, is that, do you think that's highly likely? Jeremy, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's an awkward one, really, because look, if, if the unthinkable happens and they do go on to win four trophies this season, you, you obviously cannot, it's impossible to top that. Mm. Probably impossible to match it, you know. So that's as good as it's going to get for, for Klopp and Liverpool. But, you know, that would cement his legacy. Would he need to win more trophies? Probably not because, you know, that's this is the pinnacle of um, domestic football. So, um, mm. but, you know, he obviously loves the club. He's invested a lot into it. You know, um, he's become part of the furniture there. He's been a great manager. He's been great for English football. It'd be sad to see him go. He's got two years left. You know, we kept saying this about Guardiola, didn't we? That they burned themselves out, the Klops and the Guardiolas, but, Guardiola's still going strong at City. No, no sign of him leaving anytime soon. Um, and ultimately, it's the best league in the world. So why would he want to leave Liverpool? Um, it'd be mad to, to even think about it. And there's probably only, what, two jobs he would leave Liverpool for. That's probably the Germany job um, mm. and maybe Bayern Munich. So, you know, I'd be, I'd, I'd be surprised if he didn't sign an extension, to be honest, and just keep riding the wave. Yeah. They're two retirement jobs, though, aren't they? For Klopp. Germany yeah, and Munich. I, I don't think he's old uh, enough to be. Well, maybe he could do them both, you know, at the same Munich. time. Sorry, <laughs> maybe yeah, he could well, do he them both at the same time. It feels yeah, easy enough. Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, think. I'm, you know, I, I don't think. I think we should get. It always fascinates me this when people say, oh, "What are the jobs are there for him?" Or this is a retirement job, or this is that job. Um, you know, just because it's not in the in the self-proclaimed best league in the world doesn't mean it's not a good job and you don't always go for a job bear in mind he he's living in, a, in he's not living in his homeland you know and and he has close family back at home in germany and this is where he's always stressed um i, I did a piece at the end of last season or season before when talking in depth about this possibility of going back in 2024 you know and he explained that you know his son is making his way you know in business in germany and now he wants to help Obviously, Mr. Family, um, the, uh, out there in Germany, and his friends out there in Germany, you know, and, and it always, it always makes me laugh when people talk about, you know, and we, we just tend to talk it within these very narrow parameters of, well, you know, why would you leave Liverpool when a brilliant team or a brilliant club? Well, you know, because maybe you just want to go and live somewhere else. It's like this, it's like the Mohamed Salah contract thing, you know. I listen to the radio, you know, and this, and, and, and this guy's like calls in saying, like, you know, why would he, why, why on earth would he want to go to Barcelona or Madrid when he can stay in Liverpool? And I thought, well. You've sort of just answered the question then, you know, you, you, you've answered it in your question. Maybe there's more to life than actually being in the same place for a long time in a place that maybe isn't your home 
or you want to try something different. You know, and, and for example, I mean, I'm digressing on to Salah, for example, but if you said, I want to go and experience playing in, 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 in the new Camp or in the Bernabeu for iconic clubs, you know, then it doesn't really matter if they're not actually that good at that time. Mm. And it's the same with Klopp. You know, if Klopp feels they haven't lived away from home for what will be seven years come 2024, is it seven in 2024? Did he come in 2017 or 16? I can't remember. But anyway, around yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Around then, you know, do I... Do, and they're the things, I think, that he's always stressed <clears throat> when talking about this, both on and off the record. He's always stressed that this idea that he'll go in 2024 is to do with his personal life. You know, we've always thought that with Guardiola. You know, it's... You know, you might want... He's what? How old is he now, Klopp? 55? 54? 54. I think I think it turns 55 this summer. He might want to experience something different, you know. And and I might rather... Oh, yeah. talks about the Bayern Munich jobs and, and the Germany jobs as, like, retirement mm. jobs. But, you know, that's, a, that, that's, a, that's his own country, you know. And, and he might see managing Bayern Munich as a particular achievement for... You know, it's like someone... You know, say an English manager went to manage the biggest club abroad and... That was in the, in the best league. If he came back and managed the biggest club in England, it'd be part of part of the ambition. So I just think, I just think there might be many many reasons why he would go. But the stories today about him staying also don't surprise you because you know what would he might want to do? You know, maybe he could do a decade. You know, twenty seventeen to twenty twenty seven. He clearly enjoys the job he's got. He clearly enjoys the players he's he, he's got under his wing. If you know, there's several players there. Whose contracts are up next um, next summer? Well, twenty twenty three. Obviously, the mm. headliner is Salah, but not far behind in terms of headlines should be Sadio Mane and and um, Roberto Firmino. If he gets all those settled down, and you know, he might think, well, you know what, I can go on winning. Also, he's looked at round and he's thinking, who's going to challenge? There's mm. there's an argument. There's an argument considering the, the, the state of Manchester United, and consider Chelsea might be in a state of flux. With the new ownership, this, this, you know, he might think, well, if Pep stays and I stay, there's a good chance we could be having a, a good old laugh between us, having a good old battle for the next three or four years. Mm. So that would be, but I think if he does go, it will not be because of football. Yeah, I was, excuse me, I was just checking my phone then because it was just sort of troubling me that basically when, when, when did he come? Because obviously it was 2015, wasn't it? It was in the autumn of 2015. Yeah. Because, because obviously Brendan Rodgers Rodgers just misses out on the title. And this is my timeline and my own thinking 2014 gets the following season. And the start of the and the start of the next as as Annie Horton there. I've just seen that she just saying he came twenty fifteen. But it's yeah, really 15, October fifteen, wasn't it? His first yeah, yeah. Like, I remember his doing his, you know, season, his, his, his first, first full season, season sixteen did, seventeen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just you know that the um, the thing that re- I think you touch on a point there, there, Danny, is that why would you throw away this opportunity to kind of you know a by the way he's the longest serving manager now, isn't it? You know, yeah. after you know, after Sean Dyche's departure, and then basically it's which is amazing in itself. But he's got this amazing opportunity to kind of write his name. I mean, Blarney's already an Anfield legend, isn't he? But you know what I mean. He could be. He could bearing in mind the greats that they've had in the past. He could almost put himself up there. You know, um, even further highlight his his case even further. And why would you pass up that opportunity? And it was interesting, Matt. I don't know whether you saw Guardiola talking about his future the other day, and 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 you kind of felt as if, you know, he was addressing 
in advance. You know, I, I don't know that Guardiola would quite stay quite as long as I never get that impression that he would. But, but it, again, it, you know, these two guys are so dominant, aren't they? They're so brilliant that, that you think they could win so much more if if they if they hang around in the Premier League. Well, it's don't they feed off each other in the same way Probably. as Nadal and Federer do at the top of tennis? Mm. That you kind of sense that when one goes, the other's going to go because mm. cause it just won't be the same anymore. Uh, and, you know, that's taken a long, that's a decade we've been talking about, you know, them dropping out of, of tennis. And it could be, I mean, I think Klopp to be the greatest Liverpool manager, if he can win the title this year and then win a title without Salah, I think he would be the greatest Liverpool manager of all time against, let's be honest, some pretty stiff competition um, because he will have reinvented a new team um, and done what it matters to Liverpool more than anything, which is win that that title. Um, uh, and and that, that's got to be a challenge because if Salah does go, you know, there is a job to be done. You've got to, you know, just start again, retinker things, rework things in the way that Fergie did so brilliantly. Mm. Uh, and that's when you start talking about Klopp in the same terms as Fergie is, is, is when he does something with a new generation of a team. Um, and that could be challenge enough. I, I take on board everything that Andy says that, you know, we do belittle, you know, manager's personal life, but that, that was kind of, it was a, a sort of a flippant remark about the retirement job, but that's they're, they're jobs that you take when you're thinking more about your personal circumstances than your football ambitions. I can't think of anything more of a challenge managerially than facing Pep Guardiola in this incredible two-way shootout that's developed over the last three years um, at the top of the Premier League. And the longer that can continue, the better. So, you know, please, for the sake of football, for sake of football in this country, can they both continue for as long as possible? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Alan Chamberlain here sort of mentions the yeah, what keeps him in, in this <laughs> what keeps him in this country, the weather. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you. Cloudy skies this morning. Annie Annie Horton there again basically yeah. saying just making the point about family, which is which is a great point because it's so all consuming, isn't it? It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's um Klopp did lose a parent during COVID, remember. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very good point. It's a very good point to animate. Yeah, and and I did, you know, he has mentioned that, and he does mention that, you know, in private as well. You know, mm-hmm. the, the 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 there's there's more important things basically. You know, and, and you can see mm-hmm. how much you know how, how he's all consumed it. But I'm, I'm with Matt though. You know, for the sake of football, I would love to see him stay. I'd love to see this rivalry continue. I'd love to see because, um, as I say, I think there are doubts amongst you know those hoping to try and make it. Um, mm-hmm. Um, a three-way or four-way, five-way, whatever it may be, battle at the top. I think they might be struggling. You'll have to go yeah. some, Matt. To be fair, to be Liverpool's all-time great manager, I think Paisley won. I did say it was. I did say yeah. it was a tough, probably the six league titles and three European cups. I mean, that that, that, that takes some doing. But yeah, then, but was he, was, could he have done? Could he have done it in the modern era, Danny? Well, That's the thing. Because I'm joking. I am joking. I'm joking. Six titles don't count, do they? Oh no, exactly. Yeah, football, football was only invented in nineteen sixty. It so made me laugh last night. Hey, it was green that basically, you know, it's kind of Rio Ferdinand in fairness to him, did basically kind of qualify it. I was just watching the sort of the highlights afterwards and it was just like, you know, he was sort of saying in the era that I know, so fair enough, he has sort of kind of yes. qualified it, but he did say this is the, you know, this is the greatest Liverpool team, you know. I mean it, you know, it is I, I, I'm sorry. I just don't. I just don't see it. Right. I mean, Liverpool well, no, was no. so so much better than everyone else in in the sort of kind of late seventies yeah. and early eighties. Yeah. No one else had a chance. That's the point. And I just don't know that you can make that. Well, you can't make that comparison. So I just, yeah. 
you know, at least he qualified it in fairness. I, I, I didn't see that. Though, that all changes, doesn't it, surely? Well, yeah. it's never been done before. And I just think those sort of achievements just stand out a mile. United with their treble in 99, no one forgets. Arsenal, the Invincibles, you know. And it's just, there's moments in time, moments in history that I don't think, mm. you know, well, it's never been done before or since. And it's, it's, sure, it's surely a team winning four trophies in one season yeah. makes them the greatest club side of all time, right? Well, I, uh, Jeremy, you know, I for, for one individual I season, disagree. yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah. I just think that basically, it just Not stands, least oh. they're up against another of the great club sides yeah. in Man City. Yeah. To win four trophies in the same yeah. same time yeah. as going up against another team that would be. Some consider the best team of the last decade. It makes it even yeah. more impressive, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. That's your mate, wasn't it? Ringing to tell you that. It was, you know, Why does he always win in the podcast? Because <laughs> he doesn't realise he's on. He knows my real team by now. You're doing well, mate, to get a phone call out of Disco. Blimey. <laughs> <laughs> he was up early this morning with Disco. I noticed him tweet. I noticed him tweeting about something. Uh, he was tweeting about United's pre-season tour to Australia at six o'clock this morning. Was he? Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, but I, I you know, it's um yeah, it's it, it it's a it's a fantastic uh, it's a fantastic debate, really. But see, yeah, Alan Chamberlain pointing out that we won I think he means Liverpool. Uh we won the treble in nineteen eighty four. So um yeah. Yeah, it's I, I don't know, we could go on all day about kind of who's the best, but the one thing that really struck me is that basically, basically after 41 goals in 41 games, Karim Benzema, best player in Europe right now, Matt, what do you think? I mean, it's oh, just yeah. what a story. What a story. Yeah. Doing it on the biggest stage you can and doing it regularly and then, and then doing it with the style they did it last night. Um, yeah, fantastic. He's, he's a man of the moment. Um, and, and if that moment carries through, Right the way to the final, then, uh, then yeah, no, he's going to be a Ballon d'Or winner, isn't he? Yeah, and he looked absolutely disgusted there when I said that. I don't like Penenkas, by the way, but but for him to put it, no, he nearly put it over the bar. He missed his, he missed, you know, his previous two penalties, so I guess he he had to try something. Listen, I I don't know. I'll be absolutely honest with you, John. You you know, I'll be absolutely honest. I couldn't say he's a Ballon d'Or winner because I, I, I simply have not seen enough of him this season. I've seen him in the Champions League. Mm. He scored some outstanding goals in the Champions League. He was good on Tuesday night. Scored, a, scored, scored one nice goal and scored a penalty. You know, and 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 now obviously I see the days when we were all probably around here saying Harry Kane's the best in in the world, number nine in the world, and only Lewandowski touch him. And all of a sudden, we're all saying Benzema's you know the best in the world. Let's just enjoy these guys for what they are. I mean, we don't. I, I mean, I, as I say, I couldn't. I couldn't say for one minute. If Benzema has been the best player in Europe this season, because I simply do not see enough of other European football. What I know is he's a great finisher, extremely good finisher. I think it's I think it's extremely interesting the players, and I think this in terms of a bargaining chip in a way with with Mohamed Salah and his contract is that we've got a collection of players, you know, in the thirties who are playing extremely well. Lewandowski and Benzema being being two, um, and these guys are staying fit and, and playing well, but. Um, He's certainly the guy, you know, who 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 might just scup a city out in the Bernabeu on name on whenever it's Wednesday. Yeah. You know what I think? Well. What, I, what I find is fascinating is that Lewandowski, right? If he if he does that, if he top scores for for Bayern Munich and another, you know, incredible glorious season for Bayern Munich as they sweep all before them, you know, and and do Champions League and and his top scorer, you know, for for the tenth year in a row. 
maybe, maybe just, you know, one day, if he carries on doing that for another five years, he might just catch up with Harry Kane, you know, and sort of kind of, yeah, he might sort of kind of, I don't know, you know, I'm being rather flippant here because I just think, you know, as you alluded to earlier, you know, there is a world outside. Exactly. Uh, which we Robert Lewandowski has dominated for years and years and years. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, also, I course, do Benzema has been a great player for a long time. I know we're talking about him now because he's yeah. obviously in the spotlight, but he, he lived in Ronaldo's shadow for years at, yeah. in Madrid and never complained, just did his job. You know, he was his bag man, essentially. And Ronaldo left, he stuck around. He's been a great signing for Real Madrid. He's been a great player for 10 years. Not just, mm. not just this season. He's won a World Cup, won however many Champions Leagues. Mm. It's no fluke that he's just suddenly having a purple patch. He's been a great player for 10 years. Yeah, well, that is my other bugbear, I've got to be honest. It's like each year we'll have the annual, oh, let's, you know, let's discover that basically Benzema is actually a great player. Yeah. And it just feels like it's it's ridiculous, you know. It's it, it, yeah, I don't know. I'm probably probably being yeah. unfair to certain people, but it's just it's crazy that we end up sort of having these discussions because Benzema is you don't survive a club like Real Madrid winning so many trophies for a decade and and suddenly only become good in the in the tenth year. It's, it's absolutely ludicrous. You know, it's million such a great wow. And 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 basically, there's a great story, isn't there? That basically Real Madrid nicked him off of Man United, effectively. Yeah. Man United were banging for him, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the put, of... put a message on Twitter saying, "Just wait another two years, and he'll be at Man United." Better. Yeah. <laughs> better exactly. Better. Yeah. Uh, 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 I'll be using what that for the column unattributed. Absolutely, absolutely. But no, it's in, it's incredible, really. But uh, I mean, finally, Matt, on the on this, do you, do you expect City to? complete the job or how do you see it as Real Madrid still I think expect is too strong a word yeah because you never know what Pep's going to do in a Champions League semi-final um It'll be intriguing. I mean, it's just, it's an old-fashioned slugfest. It, it, they allowed it to turn into that when they had control mm. of the game um, on Tuesday. Um, and if they're going to have go toe-to-toe with Real Madrid in the Bernabeu, they've got the players to do it. But they've got a slight one-goal advantage if they can keep that that in front, then then yeah, so be it. But but there's no real science to it. I think the way he's playing it is they're just going all out to try and outscore them. And yeah. I, I say very envious of those that are heading out there next week. Yeah, me yeah. too, mate. <laughs> Send you a postcard, lad. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll bring you back a little. Spank. Bring me back some juicy free jazzer, please, mate. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, right. Anyway, anyway. Right. Okay. Move on from that conversation. But um, right. Okay. Well, we have got a couple of bigger domestic issues um, to to talk about as well, really. And I'm going to kick off with Everton, really, because Ever- Everton. I mean, how on earth has this happened? But they're basically in the bottom three. It's a slugfest, isn't it, between them and Burnley now over who who stays up? I mean. I- Everton have got Chelsea on Sunday now, and I guess yeah. their sort of salvation is that Chelsea play tonight. You know, yes, Chelsea, you know, clearly not very happy about sort of having to play Thursday, Sunday, in a sort of what is a big shakedown for them at this part of the season. Uh, how? I mean, guys, who's going to survive? Who's going to survive out of the, out of you know out of Everton, Burnley? What what do we think? I mean, it's it's an astonishing state of affairs, isn't it? 
But we keep saying Everton are, you know, they're in trouble, but they'll survive. Mm. Well, we're now like four or five games from the mm. season. They've actually gone into the relegation zone. So I can't see the argument that, you know, people say, oh, they've still got enough. They've still got enough there to stay up. I mean, I just don't buy into that. Mm. All right, they weren't banking on Burnley winning back-to-back games. But if you're relying mm. on other teams to save you from relegation, then that's, that's the, you know, it's the epitome of, True sadness, really, isn't it? And they're paying yeah. the price now. Look, Everton are paying, Johnny will probably know more about this mm. than me, but they're paying the price for years of neglect at the boardroom level. Um, poor decisions, poor leadership, poor signings, poor managerial choices. And it's all coming home to roost. And I feel sorry for Lampard. I know he probably knew what he was getting himself into and, you know, he probably backed himself to save them from it. But, you know, he's still a real novice of the manager, Lampard. Don't, let's not forget, he's very inexperienced as a manager. Yeah. He's won two games. He's just not. They've just not had that lift under him, which is alarming, really. Um, they've won two league games. If you look at the running they've got as well, they've got a tough running. I think they're doomed. I really do. I just don't see enough. I mean, they played well in the first half last weekend. At mm. but it's a Merseyside derby, you know. The adrenaline's flowing. It's the big game. Um, and they got, they got the tactics right. But, you know, eventually the Liverpool's class just wore them down. Mm, yeah. So I just can't see how they're going to score enough goals just to win games. I just can't yeah. see that happening. I just, just, where are the goals going to come from? Calvert-Lewin's obviously been missing for most of the season. That's a huge loss for them. Um, Anthony Gordon's going to be a great player. He's mm. their one bit of inspiration right now, really. A young kid, you know, a local lad done good. So, look, I like, you don't want to see Everton go down, do you? Because all the history and tradition and it'd be bad for the city of Liverpool if the, the club went down. But, do they deserve to stay up? I don't think they do. No, no. Andy, Andy how do you how, well, how do you see it? Because I mean, goals is such an issue, isn't it, for them? No, what, sorry? Goals is such an issue for them, isn't it? Well, goals, midfield, defence, and and the keepers, you, you, you know, can have his moments. So apart from that, everything. Apart brilliant. from that, they're doing fine. <laughs> it's the old, it's the old uh, Martin Johnson, the journalist, England cricket, isn't it? You know, there's only three things wrong: they can't bat, they can't bowl, and they can't field. Um, it's it's it, 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 listen, mate. That pretty much throughout the team, they are short throughout the whole team, and it's funny, you know. <laughs> when you mention Anthony Gordon there, and Anthony Gordon has become some sort of, you know, beacon of hope. And people say, you know, and people around here, people, you know, say, well, Anthony Gordon's the sort of player we should be building the team around. And listen, I like Anthony Gordon. I think he's a he's a promising player. He's a good player. But if you're talking in terms of building a team around him and him being your, your main beacon of hope, then I'm sorry, but you are really in a lot of trouble. You know, he's not going to be, a, 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 you know, a, a, an elite player. Mm-hmm until a couple of years, probably more time. So you're in trouble. Now, listen, when we did um, for the newspapers, you know, about four or five weeks ago, predictions, and I had Everton in the bottom three, sadly, um, and nothing that's happened since, you know, has changed my mind. You know, Everton got a win against, I mean, they were fortunate enough to play Manchester United, you know, and I'm basically scraping a win against a very poor Manchester United, the way the fixtures fall in, in terms of the runnings, it, the running in terms of um, how difficult, I think Everton's looks slightly more difficult. I think I think you're right. I think they, they have had a bit of a result with Chelsea playing at Manchester United tonight, although how tough a game I'll have there, you know, you, know, you can never tell. And Tuchel might just have the needle and think, you, you know, why should I really um, pull it out against Everton on, on, the, on the Sunday? So I think they've... And a little bit of a bonus there. Having said that, 
I fully expect Burnley to to win at Watford on Saturday, is it? Mm. And then I think they've got Aston Villa, I think, at home in midweek. Mm. Mm. Essentially, what I'm saying is, and, and, and the two corresponding games for Everton, are, which they play after those, are Chelsea and, and Leicester away. And obviously, Leicester mm. have got... A, a Everton have got Watford to come as well, actually. They have. I mean, they have. Alan Chamberlain. But what, they, what I'm saying is, over, over the course the of these momentum. next two games, what mm. they have. But over the course of these next two games, then you know, Burnley could actually, could actually sort of um, get themselves a little bit of a buffer. Yeah. And you know, Burnley, but when you know, Burnley have changing the management interesting because you know, I do feel a little bit sorry for Dice in the sense that. These were games that were winnable under Sean Dyche, you know. So I do think that the but having said that, you know, he'd gone thirty games, only won four. So so, mm. so it appears to give it appears to give the players a little bit of a lift. I also think that it's noticeable that, that you know, there's not many. I don't know. If I was talking to you about this, Jeremy. I was, I was oh no, I wasn't. I was talking to someone yesterday. I think I, before I went to um, Goodis, uh, Anfield. It's it, it, it sort of I don't know. Maybe I've missed it, but there hasn't been for all. We all sat here, didn't we, and said, getting rid of Sean Dyche, what, you know? Mm. And the sort of, you know, the, the names on social media were up in arms. But there doesn't seem to have been a massive outpouring of, you know, outrage um, amongst players or amongst Burnley players or amongst, you know, or, or, or even Burnley fans eventually, you know. I don't mm. think... So I think it has given them a bit of a lift. And the broader problems of Everton, you know... I mean, the broader problems are, are, are quite simply what the lads have said. It, it, it's over a period of years, you know, it's not, that, it, it's not that it's been neglected. Far from it. It's just that it's almost as though, it's almost as though, like, this this, this thing that happens in football is, is that you've got, it's even worse having loads and loads of money to invest and invest in it badly. That's worse than actually having very little money you know, and not investing uh, and only investing in what you can, if you see what I mean. I'm not explaining that very well, but it's almost actually the flip side to that. It, it, you know, if if it's almost worse having big money and spending big money on players and putting them on big wages and then, you know, playing badly, you might as well not invest at all, if you see what I'm saying. So Everton have bought spectacularly badly. They've got players on big wages Taking money, you know, not even being anywhere near the team or not contributing to the team, that adds to the malaise in the dressing room, and you have a you have, you have a you have a team that's become stagnant and has become bereft of inspiration, quite frankly. Mm. And I thought Lampard might be able to well, might have been able to provide it. I think he's gone a little bit of a way to doing it. But no, I I, I agree. I agree with Jeremy. I, I I genuinely think I thought I thought a month ago. And I spoke to some Evertonians who we all know in, in the press room around field last night. And um, and let's just say we're all not, you know, <laughs> overly confident. But we're looking also, at who's coming up from League One. Yeah. Also, Andy, when you think about the, the consequences of going down, it'd be catastrophic for Everton. Wouldn't it? Yeah. They've already got um, debt. the main benefactors had his assets frozen. They started to build a, the footprints in place for a new stadium. Where does that all leave? They'd be in a right mess, wouldn't they? And also, you've got to look at players like Pickford. He'd obviously not want to play in the Championship. Calvert-Lewin would want to leave. Mm. You've got players on massive wages that they can't sustain in a in a Championship. It's, it'd be really, really bad for Everton. Yeah. Well, I think I think they could lose Pickford and Calvert-Lewin this summer. 
irrespective of whether yeah. they stay up or down. Well, it depends, John. I mean, I mean, listen, hey, I mean, we're, we're, I mean, just going quickly back to the effect it'll have. I think short term, it won't have that catastrophic effect, you know. I really don't. I mean, listen, when you refer to the assets being frozen, well, well you know, I mean, Mashiri's assets haven't been frozen. And in theory, he's the money behind the, um, he owns the club, you know, and we've got no reason mm. to, 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 um, to think he, he doesn't, you know. And people obviously look at the commercial input of, um, Alicia Usmanov's businesses, um, and and obviously that's not going to be any longer. Um, so that could be a miss. But from, by all accounts, I think there's also sort of machinery might have some investors to come in and help out as well. So I'm not. I, I don't think it will be of an immediate catastrophe. And I think I think I think Jeremy, if they went down and stayed down for a bit, then clearly it would be an issue. I think the immediate return from the Championship to the Premier League would be key. You would think that this squad could get them straight back into um, the Premier League. Mm. Um, and then in terms of Carvaloon and Pickford and players you'd lose, clearly, I mean, Richarlison is not going to want to play in the... That, 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 that's first and foremost. Yeah. You know, Richarlison is not going to want to play in the Championship, simple yeah. as that. You know, and he's... At times this season, he doesn't look as if he wants to play in the Premier League, to be honest. Well, to be fair, John, well... Well, I mean, I mean, to, to, to did, fair, did, I, yeah, I, I think yeah. that's harsh. I mean, I, okay. I personally that's harsh on him, and I certainly think that he's a more saleable asset um, and than Dominic Carvalhoon, for example. You know, now, mm. now if, you, if, you, if you tell me, so what are those two going to do? So where is Carvalhoon? Who's buying Carvalhoon? Well, I mean, I he's, got, he's I got potential suitors at Arsenal, and I just don't understand it. I'll be honest. On the back right. of what of what of what's happened this season, I just don't get it. You know, it's mm. it's 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 bizarre. Well, I am I am being harsh on Richarlison because I think Richarlison was on, on occasion, I think, scrapped yes. as well as kind of shown a bit of class. But I just feel as if there, there have been other games where I think, oh, you know, yeah. Where you know, I guess there's been there's been a few few players like that, and sort of Richarlison probably doesn't deserve that. But I just think that blimey, it looked after Everton beat Man United, you thought that, that they'll have done enough here, they'll have got out, and then the last few weeks they've just just gone back again, haven't they? And it's, yeah. I mean, I just don't think it feels, you know, they are such one of the fixtures, such one of the great clubs of the Premier League, if you like. I just it feels so. Strange and so odd, so out of keeping, Matt, doesn't it? That basically, if they, you know, if they do go down, then I think Everton's a big miss. Really. Yeah, absolutely. But then we've had big misses that felt like it when Coventry finally got relegated. You know, and Coventry. Yeah. Well, you remember Coventry twenty-seven years when they in the Premier mm-hmm. in the top flight. Yeah, finally got relegated, and you know, like you say, Coventry. You know, it does change in football. You know, yeah. the mighty. The mighty Huddersfield from the 1920s disappeared until, you know, just a couple of years ago, if you only look at mm. the top flight. Um, it does change. These giants do, you know, Wolverhampton Wanderers from the 1950s. Mm. Yeah, there are eras when when clubs are great and and there can be long periods, the same as when Leeds went down. You know, 20 years it took them to come back. Yeah, it, it does happen. And, and and Everton, it could happen. Mind you, they've got Deli Alley, so so what have they got to worry about? He'll dig them out of the championship, roll his sleeves up and um dazzle everyone there. So, you know, nothing to worry about. Andy, go on. Go no, on. no, I, I just that's that, Danny, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, and that just that just I just absolutely hammers it home the 
whoever's in charge of bringing players in Everton, recruitment in Everton, and listen, Frank might have to take some of the rap for for what happened then. You know, is it? And, and, and you know, what I actually wrote a bit, you know, saying, you know, this just sums it up when they signed Deli Ali on some sort of bizarre deal, and Donny Van Der Beek, you know, and. Mm. On, on loan from Manchester United. I mean, and I, I said this about some job, and and I got, I got some um, correspondence from Everton, like you know, really having a go at me and say, "Oh, give them a chance," and officially from the club, saying the hierarchy weren't happy that I was already having a go and give them a chance. I'm like, just look at these guys, you know, these guys. He can't get a game for Manchester United. He can't get a game for Tottenham. I said, and and behind the scenes, we, you know, we, we all know what what what's happened to Dali Allen, why he can't get a game. And Van der Beek has clearly sort of, I mean, has had basically been at United so long and still can't establish himself. And this is United, and he can't get United's team, and they're terrible. Mm. So, you know, what, what do you think they're going to do in a relegation battle for Everton? And it's just, you know, it, 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 it sums it up. And, and, and they've made, you know, absolutely zero impact. Yeah. Uh, by the way, official correspondence Jeremy, Everton calling yeah. out the Premier League, writing. Right into the oh. Premier League about the penalty. I mean, come on, please. <laughs> Seriously, writing? What did you make of that? I was staggered by that. I just think, you know, come on. I don't know. Yeah, it lacks a bit of class, that, doesn't it, really? What, yeah. what I mean, anyone writes to anyone anymore? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure, an email or a text, maybe. I like to think, listen, it's a grand old club, pal, and I like to think it was a letter. I really yeah. do. They've obviously got a lot of left-headed notepaper knocking around that they're writing to yeah, everybody. Exactly. A letter. Nil Sanders is the optimum. Look, it was a bad decision, as we know. Yeah, I thought it was a penalty, by the way. But but but, but these decisions happen week in, week out for loads of different clubs. You'd like to think they all even themselves out at the end of the season. I suppose if you're down at the bottom like Everton are and you're whinging like that, it's not a good look. No. It no. just looks like you're feeling right. for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, we must we must give a tip of the hat to 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 Burnley, because I tell you what, you know, I was at as the Merseyside derby on Sunday. We were kind of watching it. Uh, a couple of us were watching it almost over someone's shoulder. Really, we sort of kind of had this sort of the Premier League feed on. Uh, I listened to Andy who was working for the Premier League, not an illegal feed. So, um, but and 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 you know, it was it was astonishing to watch. And then I get home and watch it. And they highlight that togetherness from the fans, you know, the bench afterwards, you know, sort of kind of hugging each uh, each other. There's sort of Ben Mee there, sort of kind of, you know, he's not not sort of kind of been missing of late, but everyone's together pulling in the same direction. The fans are on board. You know, Mike Jackson feels like he's bought into that, has championed that. Ah, wow. I mean, as we touched on before, the Sean Dyche thing created so much angst and anger and backlash. But actually, blimey, what it feels like it's been a release valve, doesn't it? Or, or, almost, Andy. Yeah, it, it, it does. And, and you know, I've, I mean, I'll, I've, they've got so many good characters in that team. So many yeah. good characters. And you know, funny, it's a bit of a connection, really. You know, and I, I would be really pleased, for example, for um, um, again a couple of local connections to where I am, um, yeah. Ashley Westwood, who suffered a horrific injury a couple of weeks ago, mm. you know, and it's been in such a stalwart for Burnley, such a, such an understated player, um, you, you know, obviously, obviously was, was at Villa, um, and it's been so good for Sean, Dyche and Burnley when Sean was there, and he's got a horrific injury, um, um, sustained a couple of weeks ago, so I'd be pleased for him. Michael Jackson, mm. I knew, he, he was a, he was a young defender at Crew and a very stylish, good young defender, um, going way back, 
um, way back a crew. Um, he wasn't one of the crew set, was he? He wasn't one of your boys, was he? He was. He, he was in the early. He, he was in the. Not going to tell us a legendary night out story. No, 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 no. He was, he was a bit too young for that, actually. <laughs> and he played. I'll tell you what. I think he he played alongside. Um, I remember seeing him as a centre half pairing alongside. I think Andy Woodward. Right. And a, a crew, and he, he was of that era, and um, he, he was a, he was an extremely talented player. Went to Bury in the end, done his coach, and now he's come through the coaching ranks and comes across really, really well, doesn't he? Really mm, does come yeah, across really well. It's clear the players have a lot of respect for him because it, it, it's a big thing to get rid of so many, not just dice but backroom staff, um, and then for him to come in and and as we all know, you know, I mean, this you can't fault the club; it's a smash club. I'm not entirely sure about the owners. Um, and you know that type of takeover, you know, is isn't one that you know particularly sort of like you know warms the cockles of the heart. But I think some great characters are close, some really good players. So you say Ben Mee has has, has been brilliant as he on and off the pitch. And yes, you wouldn't be grudged of it if, if if they stayed up. Tell you what, yeah. Crossy, if Burnley do stay, there's going to be a lot of us eating humble pie when it comes to Alan Pace, the chairman, because he got absolute pelters when he sat Daesh. Yeah, he did. So it was it was the natural reaction, wasn't it? Yeah. The timing of it, you know, we all think Dice is a great bloke, he's done a fantastic job um, punching above his weight there. Um, and it just shocked us all that, that he decided to pull the plug on him. But if they stay up, he looks like a genius. And we all yeah. we all owe him an apology, really, because that's you know, that's all that counts, staying up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose so. You, you're absolutely right. Um, let's look. Let's look at the top four race. Really, <laughs> you know, it's kind of toe to toe between Arsenal and Tottenham at the moment. Really, isn't it, Matt? Do you, who, who's got the upper edge now? See, the bookies have got Arsenal odds on a week on from, a week on from having Spurs odds on. So, who, who's really in command? Well, if Arsenal, I mean. The- the harsh reality for Spurs, the, the situation they've got themselves into, is that Arsenal, um, if they keep the wits about them uh, and win the games they should win, mm. then pretty much Spurs have to beat not only Arsenal, but also Liverpool. Because if mm. they lose to Liverpool, Arsenal can jump back ahead of them, even if they lose the North London derby. And that's a big ask now for Spurs. You know, mm. they, they could do it. Um, they have the ability to do it on their day, but it just seems the tap just seems to turn off and on with, with Spurs. For mm. I've been trying to look at it, he's basically played the hub of the the same nine players throughout with his mm. fullbacks chain. That's all that's changed, and suddenly they can't get a shot on target again. Uh, it's just really bizarre how you know they can be putting fives, fours, and threes past teams, and they're not even getting a shot. So mm. yeah, it doesn't look at all good. For Spurs, that said, Arsenal do have to keep their wits about them. And if it does come down to the last game of the season, of course, they're uh, facing an Everton team who presumably will be scrapping for their lives, while Spurs will be at already relegated Norwich. So, uh, so Arsenal will want to sew it up definitely before the last day. I'd have thought. Mm, yeah, it's they also play West Ham this weekend, Crossy, and that's a great time to play West Ham because obviously they play tonight. Yeah, well, that'll take a lot out of them tonight. Mm. That game. That's their that's their main mm. focus now. West Ham winning the Europa League. So, and Craig Dawson's out suspended. As yeah, well. and he's been a great yeah. player for them this season. Very consistent. So, Arsenal are lucky in that they're facing West Ham just perfect. What seems like the perfect time. Yeah, don't worry, they'll. they'll, they'll but they've got to go to Leeds. Blow that. I'm sure. got, no, they haven't. They've got to host Leeds yet. 
Yeah. Leeds aren't in the clear yet. With Burn- now Burnley have yeah. won those back-to-back games. Leeds have been right back in the mire, not in the mire. Hey, and they've got some tough games, yes, haven't they? Well, they play City on Saturday, so that's the yes. chance of getting much out of that. We've got some other tough games, yeah. They, they, they probably thought they were clear. They were safe about two weeks. Yeah, I know, mate. I, I look back... Hey. I'll tell you what, with the race for the top four, though, it, it's funny when it doesn't... I mean, yeah, it's often the case, this, isn't it? But when you look at the fixtures and you look at the remaining half dozen fixtures and you say, OK, well, that should be that, that should be that. <laughs> Particularly in this race with top four, you just couldn't do it, could you? I mean, you look at Arsenal's last four fixtures, you know, and you're not you're not expecting them to, you know, win certain games. You know, you're not expecting them to win away at Chelsea and home to United and lose at home to Brighton. And who did they lose to before then? Southampton was it? Southampton, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, you know yeah. so 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 you can hardly sort of like you know read read the uh, read too much into the fiction. Palace it was. Sorry, mate. Palace. Palace. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard to read too much into the fixtures. I mean, what I would say is that I, I don't, I, you know, I still wasn't. I haven't been there on um, Saturday. I still wasn't over convinced with Arsenal. You, you know, I, I mean, I, they are in a box seat, but I still think that Tottenham should. You know, they're the team I think that should be finishing fourth in terms of the quality they have and the mm. team they have. I looked at Arsenal on Saturday. I wasn't. I thought they were. I thought. They were, I thought they were quite fortunate to win that game. Quite fortunate, actually. You know, not the they, the Fernandez penalty goes in. I think that they probably lose the game. Um, so I don't know. I've just got a sneaky feeling for Spurs, but but I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't even dream now of, of looking at the remaining fixtures and saying, right, well, there's three points there, one point there, no points there, because. I just don't, don't think we can predict it. Arsenal's, quite, issues, yeah. Arsenal's issues remain at the back, don't they? They, were, they weren't very good at the back. <laughs> no. And United they were well. really poor on last weekend. They were really yeah. poor. Comically poor in that first sort of 20 minutes, half an hour. So, mm. you know, and they still need a beating and fair play to Arsenal for winning the game. But it's the flip of a coin that who's going who's gonna to yeah. finish for. In fairness to Arsenal, I think Tommy Yasu and then Kieran Tierney being out. Yeah. If you had to choose their first choice back four, then I think, you know, yeah. that the Tommy Yasu, White, Gabriel, Tierney is a very, very solid and was keeping mm. clean sheets and very, very resolute and really good understanding, particularly with party shielding. And then basically you lose party and, and Tierney and you think, oh, you know, mm. that I, I honestly thought, oh, that's top four gone. And I, I still think they'd, be, they'd almost be kind of, Somehow crawling over the line to get into in, into fourth, frankly, without those key players because they are big players. And I think Arsenal's expectation, you know, would have been at the start of the season maybe sneaky European place, but top four would be a big, big ask. But then, you yeah. know, you, you you put Nuno Tavares in, and he's <laughs> I mean, He's a lot can be a liability. He's very fun to watch, but um, but but yeah, you never know quite what what you're going to get. I I agree with Andy that basically, I still think that Spurs will probably just sneak in, really. But it's uh, it's been a fascinating roller coaster ride. Matt, you you've written a lot this week about this sort of kind of fan led review, haven't you? Um, it's it's interesting that I mean the, the cynic in me might suggest that the government under pressure, um, you know, it's interesting timing to, to sort of jump on the uh, jump on the football bandwagon oh, again. It's, um, it's an open goal, but at least football's a good thing to be involved in. When yep. in the Thatcher era, it was trying to shut football down, wasn't it? So uh, so that's a good good news for football. Um, yeah, it is, but the devil's always going to be in the details and. I think football's had long enough under the Premier League regime and 
the pandemic when there was an opportunity then for football to grow up and say, no, we do look after, have to look after our own. Uh, and they clearly haven't. And, and the rhetoric changed from the start of coronavirus when everyone said, we've all got to pull together to, oh, yeah, but we've got to look after our own interests as well a little mm. bit. And then it's just disappeared again. Um, and I think perhaps it's a threat at the moment, the threat of a statutory uh, figure, uh, and that's the key to it, is the fact the government are saying, no, we'll put rules behind this person so that we have, you know, football has to do what we say. Uh, and that, that, that's the key thing about a regulator. It's not about who's in charge, um, although that will be an important part of it. Um, but with that threat, it gives football, the lower tiers, a lot of um, lot more clout with the Premier League to say, look, if you don't do the right thing, this is the way we're headed. Mm. Um, and I think it's that ultimate threat. It may come to the fact that they actually have this white paper, vote it all in and it goes through, or it may just be that the Premier League now need to negotiate a lot harder um, to stop that happening. It gives a massive ha- a massive card to the, uh, to the lower tiers of football. And, and I think as well, at a time when everyone's struggling in the country for f- a sport that brings in so much money, to require government funding at any level is is just plainly wrong, um, mm. and and I think football should now, you know, take stock and look after itself. Um, it may knock a small tier off the, uh, the the top money that goes into the Premier League, but but that is so far ahead of the rest of the uh, continent anyway that I think you can afford it, uh, and hopefully it's it's just a chance to just for the Premier League to get a bit wiser than it has been. Uh, and do a, do a lot more that needs to be done. They do a lot, but they can do more. Uh, yeah. And that's that's where I think we're headed. Yeah, I do agree with you in largely, but broadly. And I do think that football has a responsibility to to do that. But what the, the thing that really annoys me is why on earth should the prim, Premier League clubs bail out? teams like Derby and that's you know it's nothing personal against Derby or Derby fans great club we you know the job that Wayne Rooney and the senior have done at Derby has been nothing short miraculous fantastic but I mean you know they had a rich owner and they're basically wealthier than than a lot of Premier League clubs and until they find a formula that's basically gonna you know satisfy Premier League clubs there's no way in the world that the Premier League clubs would, right. would bail out a team as reckless as Derby frankly um, that's the, the trouble this competition you like speak Mel to Morris, people you know absolutely shocking you know, it's that. teams that have been helped out in the mm. past that are often those most reluctant to help others out because it's yeah. competition football and yeah why should you help your rivals there but by the grace of God go I and all the rest of it you know if that's one of your teams that's going to get relegated that's you safe you know you're mm. a third of the way to being safe that's right but a lot of what this fact and to be fair to Tracy Crouch she's done some fantastic work putting this together uh, and, and looking at common sense and what can happen mm. rather than what we'd like to happen uh, and I think a lot of it is focused looking forward to mm. stop clubs getting into this sort of mess mm. um, by having regular financial checks by, by this uh, regulatory authority, um, by stepping in when necessary, by having, I mean, the trouble is with a fit and proper person's test is you've no idea what the, the fit and proper person's going to do once they get in ch- into power. Uh, and you, you, do have owners that you think are going to be good who turn out to be awful um, and, and, and vice versa. 
Um, so it is hard, but by close monitoring, regular reporting, and watching to see where things are going wrong, and and, uh, and then going forward, football should be in a better shape and not need these bailouts. And that is the crux of this stuff. The the accidents that have already happened, I think mm. it's just a case of trying to tidy up the best we can. But but the idea is it's a longer-term vision to, to stop football getting into these sorts of messes when there is so much money in the sport. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And finally, we're going to finish on a, 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 a finally after Vinicius Junior's brilliant dummy for Raul's second goal. What a piece of skill that was to kind of go past Fernandinho as well. As well. But it's um, what's the best piece of skill you've seen on a football pitch? You can't include yourself in that. I hasten to it. In a press game. Well, I, I I don't know. I could tell you that I could tell you a great story about how we once the English press team played a a, Fr- a France team, including various players, in, including Robert Perez. Benzema. Robert, no, Robert Perez was playing. Was still, I think it was still at Aston Villa at the time, and I'd sort of kind of I'd gone in goal. I'd hasten to add a sort of do sort of uh, sort of play out on pitch. And I I always remember this. I raced out to kind of meet. Perez, unbelievable! He was one on one, clean through. Unbelievably, I'm a, I I stop him and basically deny him. Basically, sort of kind of you know. Did you stop him for his autograph? I don't, well, obviously afterwards, but um, but no, and then and, and I do make a save at his feet, basically, and then it was uh, yeah, one of our journalistic Brilliant. colleagues s- trying to sweep up behind, you know, goes to clear the loose ball. Smacks it straight into my face, and the ball cannons it back back into the net, basically. So, all, who, all, who was all, it again? Tell me, remind me. Oh no, I couldn't possibly. I couldn't, possibly, couldn't possibly. Come on, out, man. Come on. Couldn't possibly say it was Jason Burt, but uh, no, I'm, I just definitely won't say that again. <laughs> but Jeremy, come on. Oh, it's such an unfair question, this, isn't it? When we've watched so much football down the years, I mean. You can't look. I mean, that goal Zidane scored. Was it the Champions League final at Hampden Park? That sort of volley. That sticks yeah. in my mind. That was an amazing goal. And then Bergkamp obviously scored two, two world worldies, didn't he, for the ages, that goal for Holland against Argentina. Did he score that goal at Newcastle for Arsenal? That was a belter. Was that yeah. Did he score that goal? What you mean, Jesse? What you mean is, did he mean it? That, I think that's... Yeah. The, uh, but the, I can't look beyond that goal Maradona scored against England at, uh, in, in Mexico. That was just the best goal I've ever seen, that in my opinion. What, a hand of God? No. <laughs> <laughs> joking, I'm joking. <laughs> that's a good point, that Dunny. That shirt's going to raise over five million quid. Mm-hmm. What about the other players in the England team that day? Think about that. Do you think he should share the money with all of the players? That's a good point, Pat. Shilton won't be happy, put it that way. <laughs> now, the Maradona goal, 86 for me, was just Maradona summed him up. What a player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt? Right, I'm, it's a moment of magic, uh, the, a brief moment of magic in a very mercurial career with Spurs. Um, but Eric Lamella and his Rabona, oh. both <laughs> the greatest goal and the biggest nonsense that modern football has how can anybody hit a ball better with his left foot around the back of his right foot than actually use the other leg that he was he paid 30 million they didn't pay for half a player they paid for a for a full player so it absolutely 
astonishes me that such one-footed players can can survive at the top of the modern game, um, that they even think that that's a good idea to do. But I tell you what, it's a hell of a piece of skill when you do it. Mm, yeah. Oh, it's brilliant, that, wasn't it? Yeah. I'll tell you what, Cross, just quickly going back to the press, the press team bits of skill. Was it Shep who trapped the ball and then knelt on it and lit up an imaginary cigar against Chelsea, <laughs> against Graham Ricks and Glenn Hoddle and whatever? Like, yeah, so, so I'll tell you, what, you know what I'm going to go for? Is it, is it what, one of the ones I was actually at? And, and, and he is, I am biased because he's an old friend of mine, but it, it's Dean Saunders um, playing for Sheffield United in 1998. I don't know any of you ever seen it. We're talking about skill. Now, to me, skill is you know, improvisation. I mean, we can all do a Cruyff turn, can't we? You know, it was only a good thing. You know, it was only a good thing when Cruyff made up the turn. After that, everything else is an imitation. We can all practice a Cruyff turn. Have you noticed now players, all the players, we still sort of go, ooh, but they all do that roll over the studs bit, don't they, and turn, you know, swivel and roll over the studs. It's quite a common thing now. It, yeah. it, it, it's obviously brought up whatever. All those, but how about sheer for the presence, in, 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 improvisation? Impudence, and that's what Dino did. Do you remember? So he's playing for Sheffield United. He's running down the wing against Paul Vale. The goalkeeper comes herring out of his box right on the touchline. The goalkeeper, Paul Musselwhite, comes herring out of his box, looking up at the slides the ball out of play in front of Dino. Dino picks up the ball to take a quick throw, and no one around. The keeper is now running back to get his own goal. He throws the ball against the keeper's backside. It rebounds back to him and he pings it in. It's it, it's just it's an iconic goal. It's a goal that is just and now that's what you call skill because it's, it's it's mental agility as much as anything else. It's absolutely brilliant. Do you remember it, Tony? Yeah, yeah, I, I remember it very well. Yeah. Yeah. Have a look yeah. at it, and it's just, yeah, I know yeah, the one you mean. The keeper's yeah, so tough with mean. himself having cut out the yeah. danger. Yeah. Yeah. He cut out the danger. So, so I remember back, the, yeah. the ball is played down the line. Muscle White's quite full of himself, isn't he? And he yeah. He comes out, one of his kids into the whatever, they get up, runs back, he just looks around, bang, throws it against, you know, his bum and then pings it in mm. first time. And that was the sort of like, you know, that's what you call skill, mate. It, it, it's all up there. Mm. We can all do what? a cry turn or a, or a dummy or whatever. Yeah. What's yeah what's it? Is it a Terry on Regal? Oh, I, 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 don't I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Exactly. I know. Do you know what? One of the most ridiculous things was, and it didn't obviously result in a goal off the top of my head. I just think that that the one that sort of kind of all I always think about in a sort of a similar vein, really, was that the, the Pele dummy in the 1970 World yeah. Cup. I mean, it's just astonishing. If people haven't seen it, the ball's going one way, you know, the you know, the Pele's yeah. going the other. He basically dummies it. The goalkeeper's going, you know, looking round it into sort of thin air, thinking, where's the ball gone? Pele, you know, run and basically runs round and then, you know, this is an manages to, but unfortunately, man, yeah, unfortunately, it, puts it wide of the goal. Otherwise, that would have been one of the greatest goals of all time. It, 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 it's, it, it's great, Cross. That, that sort of selling the goalkeeper reminded me, someone put on Twitter the other day, Glenn Hoddle's last goal for Spurs. You know, one where he takes from the halfway line. Oxford, yeah, yeah. It's Oxford, Sadri's past the keeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, past the two defenders, and then mm-hmm. the keeper, he just, whatever. But I'd say, you talk about individual bits of skill and, like, sort of, like, agility. How about the scorpion kick? That that was one that I think yeah. I've never seen anything Jury. like that yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bits of skill are things that you think, you know what, because without, I mean, without, <laughs> without just saying, well, Vinicius Jr. was a, a sort of, like, you know, a normal thing. We've seen that quite a few times. It's when someone yeah. does something that you think, has he really just done that? And yeah. and, and the Gita and the Scorpion kick, I mean, was astonishing. 
Absolutely. Oh, I thought you meant Giroud against Crystal Palace at the Emirates. No, no, no. <laughs> this is goalkeeper, pal. This is a goalkeeper. He needs a scoring yeah, 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 yeah. But the clearance was one of the most amazing things I've seen. As I say, just things that are, that, you know, that are just totally... Yeah. Well, what about the penalty? Perez and Omri. Perez and Omri. Well, I'm not sure that was a bit of skill, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yes. I suppose that the ultimate was the original Penenka himself. Yeah. Yeah, When you absolutely. first see that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what innovation can you get in football? And that, and sort of like throwing the ball, that's why I picked You're Dino's right. ball, because one of us there actually, and two, throwing the ball against someone's backside and then scoring, I think, is it invincible? <laughs> Igita Scorpion kick clearance at Wembley, I've never, ever, ever seen anything like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm just trying to think what else you can do. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not I'm not really taking the mickey out of the Perez and Omri thing, which obviously didn't go to quite a plan. But I just think you're right in the basic why not? I mean, why not celebrate people trying to do something different? Yes. You know, I think it's fantastic. I think it's absolutely amazing. You know, make history, you know, because that, that Pele thing, imagine if he had scored it, it's still shown as one as an iconic mm. moment. You know, but he tries yeah, exactly. to do something completely different. You know, and again, you, if, if, if you remember, you know, again, like the Cruyff turn, is there? You know, it was oh my word, what's he just done when it yeah. happened? No one had seen it, and now of course you can't get through. You know, you you can't get through a game without you know Cruyff turn. You know, being more commonplace than the sliding tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the sliding tackle? Exactly. Well, well, listen. I'll tell you what. Now, strange enough. Just I will let go, but it's like a Cruyff turn. It's that commonplace that you probably see now. You know, as many goalkeepers doing a Cruyff turn. Never mind having to be mm. Cruyff. Goalkeepers mm. are doing it. Edison's mm. probably done more this season than like most midfielders have done in their career. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right, guys, thanks so much for joining. It's um, been uh, been really enjoyable. Thanks a lot, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll uh, catch up sometime, same place next week. <laughs> 